Good morning, Springbrook. So good to see you. Thank you for coming to worship our God. He's pleased when we gather together. Each individual counts. And we want to please God, right? Yeah, because look what He's done for us. This past week, we were all stunned by a murder suicide. These two children, their lives were taken. We have uh, Izzy on the right, six-year-old boy, and we have Ariana, uh, third grader, and the mom was Carla. And, uh, you know, it's weird how we interpret things emotionally. Now, if that was in Naperville, that wouldn't have been as, you know, compelling to us to know more. The closer things are to home, that's when we really start to, you know, wake up. The fact that they just go down to Halligus up to... Daybreak, six minutes from this church. Six minutes from this church. And we're all brokenhearted for that family. They interviewed a neighbor, and the neighbor said, Well, their kids were happy, so I thought it was a happy family. Well, friends, We know that this area is filled with brokenness. And sometimes it comes to the surface like this. Other times it's silent. But if God allowed you to drive down the street and see a a word on each house, what, what, what the brokenness was there, maybe abuse, maybe... Uh, marital affair, maybe financial challenges, uh, maybe rebellious teen. Hey, we're all broken. The great news is we have Jesus, right? But they don't. What should we do about that? We should reach out. We should love, we should pray, we should do everything in our will to get the gospel to people. You have Sherman over here that takes care of your physical body, but here at Springbrook and other evangelical churches, we take care of a sinner's soul. God uses us to lead people to take the only medicine that can cure a sinner's soul. And that is the gospel. And we believe in the gospel. We want everyone to know the gospel. We want to reach into broken families and bring them alongside of us. And it's it's just wonderful. Really, we're a rescue mission. That's what we are, right? A rescue mission. When you think about rescuing, you watch that stuff on TV, and you know, that's all exciting to see, you know, the helicopters and, and you have all this rain, 
mudslides, you know. I don't like to see it, but it's interesting to some degree. I mean, I'm going to pray for those guys, you know. Yeah. But we are rescue. And that's the way we need to view life every day. Remember, first thing you do, you get up and you say, my whole day is about glorifying God. My whole day is doing His agenda. My whole day is choosing to be a disciple. My whole day is shining Jesus Christ's light. That's what I do when I get up in the morning. And it encourages me because you kind of have to reference that. You just always need to be reminded, what am I doing here today? Especially if I'm having a bad day. Our mission statement, reaching and building passionate followers of Jesus Christ. As I mentioned last week, we're going to recap a little bit for those of you who weren't here. We had a leadership learning team that's met for 18 months. Uh, meets once a month and it will continue. And... That team has put together a picture of a disciple, the discipleship pathway for our church, and again, really started us thinking that God is speaking to us about reaching and building passionate followers of Jesus Christ. So this is a core fundamental series. I don't often do this. But I would like all of you to listen to it if you missed a service, really, because you'll much better understand what's going on here. Today we're talking about grow. So let's stand up here and let's talk about a picture of a disciple. Now, you see, the point here is, is that when a person walks through the door and doesn't know Jesus, How do we want them to come to Jesus? How do we encourage them? And then how do we grow them into mature disciples? So what this group did is we studied all these Bible passages and we said, okay, this is not the perfect definition, but these are the things we'd like to see happen in a new Christian's life, three to five years, whatever, so that they might be trained to be a disciple. So, I'll give you some hand motions here. So we share Jesus with others. We love others by spiritually investing in them. Worships God daily through spirit-powered obedience. Studies and applies and lives out. God's Word, serves others through spiritual gifts, cultivates a relationship with God through prayer. Let's do it again. Shares people, shares Jesus, that is, with others. Loves others by spiritually investing in them. Worships God daily through spirit-powered obedience. Studies, apply, and lives out God's Word. Serves others through, your, through our spiritual gifts. 
and then cultivates a relationship with God through prayer. Thank you. You may be seated. Hopefully that will help you remember. Uh, Yeah, I mean, this is a great list uh, to meditate upon. And so, okay, how how am I doing in this area? Where do I need where I need to to grow? And we're, we're going to create a discipleship cultural language as we go throughout this year. And one of those phrases is, "What's your next step? What's your next step in becoming a disciple? What, what's your next step?" Where, where, where is God leading you to grow? What's different about this year than last year? And the sad thing about it is that there are so many people who sit in churches for years and years and nobody ever asks that question. So they don't change, right? Not challenge. We're not going to be coming down on you. Hey, what's your next step? <laughs> no, it's going to flow from relationships that you have. And again, it's a spiritual mystery of how people grow. So, what's your next step? We talked about last week that many times what happens is that a person becomes a Christ follower. But nobody disciples them. Nobody disciples them. So, so they feel like they're in this maze. They have no idea what to do <laughs> to grow. And so they just put their hut right down there and say, I'll just stay here for the next 20 years. <laughs> no, we, we don't want that. What if a guest came and brought an infant and put them in our nursery? And when they came back, all they could hear was their crying baby, wailing baby. And there was nobody in the room with their child. I don't think they'd be back. Right? Friends, we as a church have had people in the spiritual nursery And we haven't had people there to help them. Again, we've done a great job overall, but we're talking about growing deeper. What's our next step as a church? Is that discipleship is critical. That's how you grow as a Christ follower and deeper into your relationship with Christ. So we don't want... No child left behind, no spiritual babies left behind, right? Because spiritual babies are weak and they can easily get drawn to other theologies and things of that nature. So we really have to focus on them. How many of you are discipled when you became a Christ follower? Okay. Not that many, right? And we don't want that to happen. If a person comes to Christ here at Springbrook, we want to do everything we can. Again, it's always soft, you know, just coming alongside people, coming alongside people in relationships. 
And when the timing is right, to ask the right questions. Because again, we're letting people suffer. Because they, they think, oh, I've arrived. And they're far from arrival. They're not in heaven yet. So, this is our discipleship pathway. This is also something our group uh, put together. And this, you're going to see this a lot. <laughs> because this what defines our ministry. We are a disciple-making church, and this is how we do it. Now, it's very similar to others, but again, it's ours. We've been led through prayer and study as a leadership group to say, okay, this is what we want to do with people. And again, it's not linear, okay? I mean... We have some activities in certain areas, workshops in certain areas, and again, you I mean, you have to determine where you're at spiritually and what your next step is. So, I mean, you can go to any workshop. I mean, it's not like a high school where, you know, you just can't step into a senior class, right, of chemistry. Hey, <laughs> a mirror. <laughs> again, we just want to encourage you. You know, one thing I really want to encourage you men on is no regrets. Andy did a great job of introducing it with that video. I was talking with a guy at the door, and I knew he wasn't coming. (laughs) And I said, can't you come? Can't you come? And because of the relationship I have with him, he said, I'll come. But he wouldn't have come. If I wouldn't have asked. In fact, I created a next step for him, right? We need to support one another and encourage one another. So men, February 4th, 834, great seminars. This, again, is a grow activity. And everything we do here at Springbrook has to fit into one of these arrows. The grow activity. So please, please take a risk. Please come out. I'll sit next to you if you don't want to be alone. (laughs) There's a lot of fears that people have about these type of things. But, oh, it will be a blessing to you. And what a great way to start the year. Now, looking at the different areas of our pathway, we have connect, which means connecting to Christ and his church. So, this is a connect event. Many people had their first experience with Springbrook by coming to our service. We also have a starting point workshop. I was just in there. Uh, it's really great. What we've done is uh, gotten rid of newcomers orientation, lunch of the pastor, and membership class. And we put it in a three-week series. At the 11 o'clock service, not the first Sunday of the month, but the next three Sundays of the month. So when people come in here, every Sunday, we'll tell them what their next step could be. Maybe they don't want to come. That's okay. But when you're ready, that's your next step. And, and, and it's, it's just a great way to teach people about who we are, our history, what God has done through us, 
our philosophy, our, our doctrine, what it means to be a member. And uh, I'm just really excited about that. That's a big change. And I think it's really going to uh, be very positive in terms of, you know, encouraging people along the way. There it is, starting February 12th. Now, I would like every leader to go through this class. I don't care if you came before I did. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because what will happen is if you go through it, what will be the benefit? Well, you'll see how we're doing it, and you'll be able to invite other people and say, hey, yeah, I went through this starting point class, and that's yeah, fun. You get to know people. I really enjoyed my time there. I'd encourage you to go. See, that's, that's what we're doing as leaders. We're always encouraging others. We're always vision casting, telling them, hey, this is going to be great. Now, I know regrets is going to be great. We've had it for several years. So I would like, I think we have four people in that class. Oh, no. Yeah, four people so far. So I think we'd take about 12 people. So I'd like that class filled by the end of this service. That's my, that's my, my dream. <laughs> now you want to become a part of it. And you want to learn. And it's just filled with leaders. That's great. But again, we're engaging. We're disciple-making church. Let's move on here. Let's talk about Grow. Grow. As part of, you know, maturing as a disciple, you're growing. primary way that happens at small groups. I tell you what, from day one, from day one, 20 plus years ago, small groups have been an integral part of this church. And many churches don't have small groups, but we do, because we know that that is where people's lives are changed when they're together with other people and laughing and studying the Bible. Yeah, they're critical. I always encourage everybody to be involved in a small group. And then how to study the Bible workshop would be part of this. This is a new class, but it sounds, makes sense, right? If you're going to be training a person to be a disciple, you need to Teach them how to understand the Bible and the importance of your time with God. And we go on to equip. The first thing is gift-focused ministry. And we have a spiritual gift class workshop. That's on January 18th. That starts on Wednesday. It goes for three weeks, hour and a half. If you haven't taken that class, you've got to take it. I just heard good things about that class. And Rich does a great job. My pastor Rich does a great job teaching it. But, but, you know, when you're in a church and you're committed to it, usually you have two responsibilities. You have your gift-focused opportunity where, where, where you determine what your gift is and what you love and what your passion is, and then you match that up with where you'll be serving. Okay? So that's part of the process. We want to help you to find the best place to serve. It's your decision, but uh, by helping you define your spiritual gifts and uh, other things about yourself, 
we can encourage you. You know, some place to, to start out. That's gift-focused ministry. But there are other things we do in this church, and it's called housekeeping, like vacuuming. Nobody has a spiritual gift of vacuuming. Well, maybe you do. I don't know. I certainly don't. <laughs> but like our kids' ministry, we need a lot of people in our kids' ministry. And if I said, okay, everybody who has these gifts and this passion, go to our kids' ministry, we would not have enough people. Right? So that's a housekeeping type of thing, that you are involved in it once or twice a month, whatever, because it just needs to be done. We need to care for our kids and teach our kids and uh, other areas, like hosting. You might join as a host. Now, that might be, I don't know, it could be your major gift area or it could be a housekeeping type of thing. But we're running a home here, right? So we've got to all get involved to get things done, even though it might not be our sweet spot. And we go on to multiply. This is a point where a person uh, has matured and they've grown into a leader. They're identified as a leader. At Springbrook, we have a leadership gathering every month. The first Sunday of every month, we have a leadership gathering. And we get all our leaders together and we do vision casting and we talk about our different ministries. The first hours together with the whole group. And the second hour is everybody breaks up into teams. I would invite any of you to that first hour. Free lunch. Free lunch. <laughs> that really will help you understand a little bit about our culture here at Springbrook. And it's just not the leaders who are multipliers. I mean, the whole idea again he said, go and make disciples, right? He didn't say, go and be the best disciple you can be. That's how they would say in our world, be a superstar disciple. <laughs> Take this three-year course and you will have really outshined everybody. Sometimes people gravitate to that stuff. But we're not here to become super disciples. We're here to what? To make disciples. That means all of you. Wait a second. I'm no disciple maker. Well, you might not have the confidence or the training right now. But that is what God has called you to do as a Christ follower. To make disciples. To invest in people. To carry people's burdens. To model the Christian life that is what God wants you to do. And again, as we unpack this, as we go forward, you'll understand more of that. But there's a lot of ways to make disciples. So we also have a living on mission workshop, talking about living in such a way and drawing people to Jesus Christ. Acts 4.13 Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. The elders, Sadducees, they were listening to what they had to say. And these guys were from the Hicks. <laughs> they were Hicks. <laughs> from the sticks. 
in Galilee, right? I mean, there's nothing special about that. That's just where the ordinary people are, right? The commoner. But they heard these guys talk and they say, there's something special about you. You've been with Jesus. Don't you love it when someone comes up to you and says, you're a Christ follower, aren't you? Who's had that happen? It's out of the blue. Of course. Because the Holy Spirit, you know, he's a network, right? And and I don't know how it works, but Christ followers just kind of drawn together. And there's an intimacy, wherever you are in the world, Wherever you are in the world, there's John Pushbarage. Where in the world is John Pushbarage? He's always on a jet somewhere. But wherever John goes, he knows that he's going to meet Christians and he's going to be able to spot them. Right, John? And, and isn't that encouraging? You've met part of the family. Yeah. So, I just love that. They recognize that they had been with Jesus. Now, I am going to explain this formula to you that is at the very core of our disciple-making strategy. Very core. This equation, if you set it up in the proper way, there's a greater chance that life transformation will take place. Like the weather forecast, right? I mean... What do weather forecasters do? They study their models, and you know, when a warm front and a cold front come together, you're going to have some weather, right? And Bill Mowry, who is our coach for this disciple-making culture, has written a book called The Way of the Long Cider, and this is what he put together based on Scripture. Okay? So let's step through it. First of all, we start... With our, oh. <laughs> oh, I know I did wrong. Okay, so it's R2D3A. Let's say that together. R2Day, R2T3A. R2D3A. Anybody that attends our church for a period of time is going to know R D <laughs> first I gotta learn it. <laughs> the problem was I got it messed up in my mind and now it's all over the place. <laughs> R two D three A. The pastor will know it, I guarantee it. R two D three A. You say, what's the big deal? Have you found some formula that no other church has found? No. God led us to the right formula. Now, again, you don't want to confuse with R2-D2. <laughs> he died just recently. Is anyone? Kenny. He was three feet, eight inches, I guess. He was in six Star Wars films. So we want to forget about him because we can easily go that way. Now, this is the discipleship bullseye. This is the formula. That we're going to look at. So it starts out with relationships. Man, don't you love coming to church on Sunday morning? 
You love worship. But you love people. We're part of the family. We love to be in relationship with other people. That's the way God created us. And that's why God created the church. And they're a blessing. Sometimes they're challenging, but we continue to walk together with uh, the grace of God. So relationships. And, and I go back to those people who don't go to church, uh, listen to great speakers, podcasts, TV, whatever, and they think they can grow as a disciple. And they can't. They can't. It's impossible for them to continually grow as a disciple. That is not the way God put the equation together. So if you know anybody like that, you can tell them, hey, you know what? You can't go far as a disciple without somebody else. (laughs) It's true. That's why the church is so important, so that we can be together. Because, again, it's a relational Type of feel. I mean, you think about Jesus Christ and his disciples, right? I mean, he had a lot of people who call themselves his disciples, but at one point, uh, again, he knew all the, the disciples. He, he already had relationships, let's say, with all the apostles. So he went up and prayed, and God confirmed uh, the 12 apostles. And then they spent a whole lot of time together, right? <laughs> And he appointed 12, Jesus appointed 12, whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. Now, it was interesting in those days, you had rabbis and what they typically would do, they would have disciples, just like Jesus. This thing that Jesus did wasn't anything new. It was just how disciples were trained. So you were a disciple of a particular rabbi. Jesus Christ wasn't a rabbi, but people looked at him as a rabbi. And so I had these disciples. So they spent 24-7 with Jesus. Can you imagine that? 24-7 with Jesus. Now, that is the highest form of discipleship, really. And who are the people you're with 24-7? You're with your spouse, right? You have a deep, complicated relationship. <laughs> but you can start mutual discipleship. You know, we never have the person who's leading the group. We never say, oh, this person knows it all. No, 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 no. They're just to facilitate the discussion and care for people. How about your kids? Your younger kids? Enjoy it while it lasts. I know some of you are saying, oh, shut up. <laughs> Because you didn't have a good week with your kids. But the point is, <laughs> I wish I could go back. The days when my kids were little. I look at all the kids running around. and But I got a dog. Yeah. And I'm bonding with my dog, Rizzo. And Boston Terrier. That's a puppy. You know? So we have to train him. Right? You know, I have to go out into the... The weather, which is so cold, and wait for him to do his business and encourage him to do his business. 
And he doesn't do it. Then he comes back and he does the business on the living room floor. He has not been trained yet. Bad dog, bad dog. And I'll put him in a cage. Next hour comes around. All right, buddy. Time to go. My wife is much gentler than I am. (laughs) So I pick the dog up, take him out. And if I'm cold, I'll say, hey, you can wait. (laughs) We'll go out there for a second. Uh, And it's just training, right? Whenever you buy a puppy, you're looking at least a $300 loss on your possessions. Really? Isn't that true? Yeah, when they're puppies, they just chew everything. This one's okay, but what he does is he takes my slipper, my sock, and he takes it someplace else. So when I go to look for it, it's not there. And I can't figure out where it went. Ah, Rizzo. (laughs) Check under the bed. (laughs) Look for it, you know. Um, We all need training, don't we? And we are trained as disciples so that they might be with him. Again, parents, you have an unbelievable opportunity to disciple your children. And I know sometimes they drive you mad. They're so stubborn. (laughs) But again, as a mom and a dad, that really is the most beautiful disciple-making group. Parents discipling their kids. All right, so you can start it right there, right? Discipleship bullseye. The second thing is discussion and discovery. Discussion and discovery. Now, whenever you're meeting with someone, the Bible's open, right? We're not just going to share our opinions. I think, no, you don't think, you look. (laughs) And then you think. (laughs) Right? And it's a living book. The Holy Spirit speaks through it. So when you get maybe, uh, say, four people together, uh, and you really look into God's Word, you really study it, or a small group. You see, we have small groups, but we're adding something uh, a group called the Along, uh, Alongside or Huddle. The Alongside or Huddle. And, and there's a difference between small groups and Alongside or Huddle. Small groups are still just great, but the leadership huddle is a little different. And I'll fill you in as we go. But it all, whatever you're doing, getting together with somebody for coffee, and take out God's Word. Another thing in terms of building uh, building our, our language around here, the first thing is what's your next step, right? What's your next step? The second thing is how about some fresh bread? Do you have any fresh bread? And the purpose of that is you're just asking the person, what have you learned in your time with God? What has God impressed Upon you. How many are part of our uh, reading challenge? Raise your hand. All right. I have 32 names. And, and, and I encourage you, 
the, the point is not to read through the Bible. And if you want to do that, that's great. But the point is you spend 15 minutes in the Word and prayer every day. Reading through the Bible, there's a lot of advantages to that. But again, the idea, hey, I missed three days. Don't go back and read. God's not going to give you a brownie point. Reading through the whole Bible, you stepped up to a whole new level. You read through the Bible. Now, he just wants you to be in his word, feeding off it. So in a small group, you have a lot of discussion and discovery going on. You're going through uh, biblical curriculum. You're asking each other questions and things of that nature. So that's true of both a small group and a leadership huddle. It's always based around God's word. And we're asking the Holy Spirit to show us truth. Jesus asked a lot of questions, didn't he? Matthew 8:26, And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. <laughs> now there's a great object lesson. <laughs> I remember that one, right? But he was constantly asking his disciples questions because, again, asking questions creates more ownership in the principles than I just saying, hey, do this. Right, right now I'm just monologue to you. All right? So there's no discovery and discussion going on. So this is a good thing. Preaching is, is to inspire you and to challenge you while teaching is to inform you toward your mind and preaching is toward the will. But again, you have to be with other people. And again, you ask questions. You just keep asking questions. That's the one thing we don't know how to do very well, is ask questions. There's so much you can discover about others by asking questions. So, again, I would encourage you to write on your communication card, uh, if you are committed to spending 15 minutes a day to read the Bible, pray, uh, what I, I mean, some people just got done with the reading plan of the Bible. So, you know, if you want to say, hey, this year, let's say five days a week, 15 minutes a day, I'm going to take that challenge. That's a challenge, right? What am I doing here? Hey, you ready to take the next step? Huh? Oh, no, I'm not ready to take the next step. I, I don't have the time. I don't know how to pray. Yeah, you've got to get into it and learn it. That's why you need somebody to train you, <laughs> right? <laughs> and that's what we're here for. Now, we move into the three A's. Uh, application is the first one. Now, now, this is really where the difference is between small groups and alongside huddles. They both have relationships. Right? They both have uh, discussion and dialogue. But the three A's, sometimes you find in a group, sometimes you don't. All right? So let's look at it. James one twenty two. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Are you deceiving yourself right now? Maybe you say, well, I don't have any next step to take. I've arrived. You are deceiving 
yourself. <laughs> okay. Talk to somebody about it, right? He'll never run out of steps until we see Jesus. Yeah. We need to be doers of the Word. And the problem is, is that most churches you have a service where somebody preaches and people walk out. And I try to encourage application in your lives. And if it's good for you, it's good for you, right? But again, many people walk away. That was nice, you know. Not deep enough. That's what people always say. Not deep enough. I feel like saying, okay, tell me how you... Great disciple you are. Because <laughs> I know when I study through my messages, I'm convicted every week. Right? People love the Bible. Oh, they want to know all about it. But they don't want to apply it. They don't want to take the next step. People sit in pews and chairs for years and they never change. Now, that's insanity, right? Why would we do church in that way? What we want to do, we've already got the small groups, and now we have the alongside our huddles, and we all have to check our heart. I have to check my heart. You know, I'm a pastor and all that kind of stuff, and, but I deceive myself, and I say, well, you're good, Dan. You know, what I do is I, I continue to ask the Spirit, what's the next step for me? Where am I weak? Where is Satan trying to get to me? What new spiritual discipline can I, I put into my life? That's the next step. But don't be deceived. Then we have accountability. Accountability. That's the idea that you get together, all right, and you're having this, this is more like the leadership huddle that this happens in, that you study materials, and then what you do is you pick out an application. Everybody says what their application is, whatever it might be. And again, it might not be every week, but, you know, how has God spoken to you, and what are you going to do about it, right? Then there's accountability, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. You see another Christ follower. They're in rebellion. And uh, you say, well, I don't want to get involved in that. That's kind of messy. Well, are you a disciple maker? Has God called you to help that person? Do you have the relational deposits in that person's life to speak truth to them? Then you need to do it. And it's painful because hurting people hurt people. Man, sometimes I go through a situation and, I don't know, I got beat up more than anybody else. <laughs> you know, with marriage or whatever it is, you know, it's... It's just the nature of ministry. It's tough. It's hard. But we have to speak the truth. And in the context of a, excuse me, an alongside or huddle, that's where people really open up. So the unique thing about the alongside or huddle is that it's small. Three to four people 
We're a small group. We can go from six to whatever, 15. In the alongside or huddle, there's more commitment. Okay? I mean, you're going to show up. I mean, this is going to be a priority for you. You you can miss some times maybe, but the point is that this is a very serious commitment that you're making to other men or other women. And you are committing to do the homework every week, which is typically longer than what small groups do. But there's two secrets to this. The first secret uh, is the application, accountability, and affirmation. That is the key right there. All right? It's the size of the group. Three or four people, people are more likely to open up and talk about what's going on in their lives and their pains that they never would share maybe with a small group. But there's that intimacy there that takes place. The application, accountability, and affirmation. Now, to whatever degree, all small groups are different. Now, some small groups might, I mean, they obviously do some affirming and maybe some accountability, and they talk about application. But with with leadership huddle, I mean, you're committed to this. So you're going to think about an application if God gives you one. And then the next week they're going to say, hey, how's that going with you? And then hopefully they'll affirm you, right? Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the body. Gracious words. We're to encourage one another. <laughs> if you're sitting there like, wow, I am so out <laughs> of this type of thing, uh, God's grace is there for you, right? It's always there for you. You say, God, I made some wrong choices and I don't feel close to you, but I pray that you would restore me. I pray that you would restore me. Uh, here it is. Now, again, for example, you and your wife, you and another friend get together regularly. You could make that in to the discipleship huddle. The group is small. Of course, you need to be studying the Word. But then you have to draw out the application, keep each other accountable, and affirm one another. So many of you could move into an alongsider huddle just by adding those things. And those things are what count. It's the intimacy plus application, accountability, affirmation. You are walking the walk with somebody. Somebody is by your side. Somebody cares for you. Somebody prays for you. Somebody loves you. And somebody speaks truth to you sometimes. That's commitment. You don't necessarily find a small group. Small groups are great. Alongside our huddles are great. You know? Again, uh, we'll just keep experimenting. Uh, again, like I said last week, and I always kind of repeat things because I know some people can't make it every week. Um, think about your hobby. What kind of hobby do you have? Somebody yelled out, what hobby? What? Bowling. All right, bowling. All right, so... I'm doing it for myself. Now, you might be doing it for your husband. I don't know. but 
I am the one who makes the choice about bowling, okay? And when I have time, I'll go bowling. When I have a busy week, bowling is not important because I have other things going on. And I determine how involved I get in bowling. Do I take classes to get better? Do I read books about it? You can determine how far you're going to go, and I can take breaks. I can stop bowling for one year, two years, three years, and start again in the fourth year. That is a wonderful thing about a hobby, right? Discipleship is totally different. I'm doing it for Jesus. That changes everything, right? He's in charge. I make time for it daily. Yeah, it's a whole part of my life. I've got to be in communion with him. Jesus determines my involvement. Yeah, it's not my choice how much I, I practice my Christian life. And it's a daily practice. And as I said last week, many people treat Christianity as a hobby. I'm doing it for myself. I'll do what feels good. And when I have the time and something else comes up, I can't go to the small group or the service, whatever, you know, whatever. I determine how involved I get. Yeah, you're only taking me this far. <laughs> and I can take breaks. I can stop attending the church for a year. The amazing thing, guys, when it talks about the apostles, and uneducated, they really were just amateurs, right? They weren't being paid. They were amateurs like many of you are in your uh, different hobbies, whatever. But I tell you what, amateurs can change the world. And probably the biggest thing that we need to do as a church is help each other understand that you can be a disciple maker. Some of you are sitting, no, no, not going to work for me. Don't. No. <laughs> we'll encourage you to give creative ideas on disciple making. And the word amateur means lover. Lover. You're a lover of something. You're a lover of bowling. You're a lover of skiing. You're a lover of TV. <laughs> you don't get paid for it. That'd be sweet. But um, man. We're to be driven by the love of Christ and what he's done for us. We don't get paid, but we do it because we love it so much. Because Christ first loved us. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, thank you for the new things you're teaching me. And thank you for our leadership learning team. Thank you for moving within our ministry in a new way. I am more excited today than I was 22 years ago. Because I really know what we need to focus upon. And that's disciple making. In Christ's name, amen.